The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. This morning in our business meeting, we were talking about uh, the website that John Morgan's been working on. I remember when I was young, I would hear the older people talk about how they didn't understand the modern technology. And back then, advancements in technology were very slow. Before my time, there was what they called the wire recorder. I never saw one, but I've heard older people talk about them. Then they came up with a reel-to-reel recorder, which was like a cassette, only it was too large uh, uh, reels of tape that were not enclosed in one box. Then they got the cassette tape, and that's about the time I was growing up, when cassettes were what everybody used. Then we came to CDs, MP3s, and it's amazing that how technology is not just moving like this, it's accelerating like yeah, this. Right. And when you consider the smartphones we have today, it's a level of technology that I never imagined right. would exist right. in my lifetime. Right. Now, Daniel said in chapter 12 and verse 4, just want to look at the last part of that verse. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now that certainly describes our culture today, doesn't it? Not only is knowledge increased, and that doesn't necessarily by any means refer to wisdom. Knowledge shall be increased, and not only that, they shall run to and fro. You know, I'm sure there's some people here tonight, families here tonight, that came in more than one car. Isn't it amazing? You know, we live right down the road, and sometimes we come to church in more than one car. It wasn't that far back that uh, I can remember my parents talking about going to uh, church in a horse and wagon. There's been more changes in the past 100 years than there ever has been in the world prior to that time. Just think about it. My father grew up in a house with no plumbing, no electricity, none of the modern conveniences. They worked in the field picking cotton from sunup till sundown. Look how easy our life is today in contrast to what they experienced. I believe there's also been an accelerated rate of change in the structure and stability and morality of our nation. And again, I don't believe it's just a steady increase. I believe that it's moving at an accelerated rate. What's often referred today as an alternate lifestyle. 
was something only referenced in secret when I was in school. There may be one or two people in the whole school that there was rumors that they lived that type of lifestyle. But today that's mild, isn't it? We've reached a point now where not only does, is everything permissible, but we have truly reached the point that Isaiah talked about when he said they shall call good evil and they shall call evil good. If you believe in a traditional biblical marriage to the exclusion of all other so-called marriages, you are the evil one. You are the one discriminating. You're the one that's the cause of all the problems. As a matter of fact, there are various conservative groups that are on the hit list, so to speak, of the Southern Poverty Law Center in Atlanta, and they're labeled as hate groups. Groups that aren't hateful at all. You know, if you go, for example, to a pro-life rally, for the most part, you see calm, peaceable people working together. On the other hand, if you go to some of those that advance the opposing view, they're, they're, they're much more intense. And there's not, as, there's not that sense of calmness that you see among those that try to uh, do things according to God's Word. Now you may ask, well, why are you telling us all of that? Well, I believe that the stability and the morality of our nation, our country, our communities is in direct relation to the strength of the homes. Amen. You see, the home is the oldest institution in the world. It is God's it is God's uh, uh, organization for maintaining order in society. You know, when Adam, uh, when God brought Eve unto Adam, she was described as an help meet. That means she was a suitable helper. A woman is a suitable helper to a man. And in that relationship, according to God's ordained, uh, according to God's will and according to uh, the way God has established things, children come into the world and it's the responsibility of that man and his helpmeet to bring those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. And if you have that dominating a culture, you'll go back. We would go back to the days where you didn't have to lock your doors at night, didn't have to lock your car doors, didn't have to worry about your children playing in the, you know, play riding their bikes around in the subdivision and down the sidewalks. You just didn't have to worry about things because each family. 
uh, is a stabilizing force right. for good. Amen. Now, with all that in mind, I want to look tonight at Psalm 128. This is a short psalm. It's only six verses long. And this psalm gives just a good overview of the blessings we enjoy with the Lord and in our home when we are functioning the way God would have us to. It says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. Now notice he says, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. This is a a consistent principle. Everyone that fears the Lord will be blessed. Not some of those that fear the Lord. Any and everyone that fears the Lord, that's a blessed mindset to be in. And that's what it is. It's a mindset. It's a way of looking at the world. It's a way of looking at life from the standpoint that God is the overpowering force over all things. And when I align myself in such a way that my life pleases Him, it will go well with me. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Now, why is it such a blessing to fear the Lord? Well, first of all, I believe that we can prove from the Scripture that that is the very foundation of being a Christian. As important as humility is to Christian character, the fear of the Lord is the basis with regard to what motivates us in every area of life. In other words, if you reverence God in the sense that you not only love Him and esteem Him, but you have a healthy fear of the consequences of walking against His ways, that will will be the uh, greatest uh, influence in your life. He says in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You see, if I don't fear God, then this book is just another philosophy. You know, there's this book over here, there's the Humanist Manifesto over here, and this is just one of several uh, life views I can adopt. But see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you see that this is God's Word, this is God's will, this is everything He wants you to know while you're in this world, if you have that attitude, you fear and you fear God, you reverence God, you're going to say, what does God say about this? 
And when I find out what he says, I know that I'll be blessed in doing that and I fear what the consequence may be if I walk against it. In Psalm 111 and verse 10, you'll find the phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now wisdom is the application of knowledge. You know, I've worked here a Couple, just a couple of days with Brother Bob. I've done very little. I want to make that clear. You know, I, I could have some knowledge about the work that he's doing. I believe I've gotten just a little bit of knowledge. But it's wisdom, which is skill. I don't have that. He's got a lot of wisdom, which in a natural sense just means skill. You not only know how to do it, you can do it. You know, you can read books and get a lot of knowledge about a lot of things, but wisdom in that sense is the ability, to, the skill to apply that knowledge. And with regard to our spiritual life, that's what wisdom is. It's the application of what God's Word teaches in our daily life. And if you fear God, if you reverence God, that's the beginning of learning what God would have you do and the beginning of applying that knowledge in Isaiah chapter 66, Brother Chris quoted this this morning in verse 2. The Lord said unto this man will I look to him that is of a poor and of a contrite spirit and that trembleth at my word. Don't you want to have God's attention? The one that has God's attention is not the one teaching seminars on how to honor God and how to be a super Christian. That's not the one that has God's attention. The one that has God's attention is the one that on his knees says, Lord, I reverence this word. Please show me what it teaches and help me to implement it in my life. That's the person that has God's attention. And in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole, that is the entire duty of man. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 says, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. That's exactly parallel to what Jesus taught when he said, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Stand in the ways. Some people say, Well, I'm going to do something even if it's wrong. You ever heard someone say that? No. Stand. Stand still. There's a lot of decisions you can make. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. The paths of God's truth. The old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein. And you shall find rest for your soul. You know, the book of Proverbs talks about the path of the unjust. And it says, pass by it. Don't go down that road. So you see how important it is that we fear the Lord. But now based on the context of this psalm, though that applies to men and women, 
this is primarily addressing fathers in this context. You see, the father is the leader of the home. Brother Chris has been preaching a lot about that. Now, as the leader, if he doesn't recognize who his leader is, there's going to be problems. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, I would have you to know that the head of... uh, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of uh, man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. There's an order there. Yeah, right. Woman, man, Christ, God. And if man doesn't uh, look unto Christ, if he doesn't look unto God, and he makes himself the final uh, standard of how things should be done, that's not going to be a very healthy home. That's right, right. If you're married to a man that fears the Lord, you're blessed indeed. Amen. If you're dating a young man that doesn't fear the Lord, break up Amen. right now. Amen. Because problems lie ahead. That's right. Then notice verse 2. We've tried to lay out the general principle. Then here are the consequences. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy thou shalt be, and it shall be well with thee. What does it mean to eat the labor of your own hands? Well, the book of Haggai describes what's in contrast to this. In uh, Haggai chapter 1, and verse 6. Now this is what, what the Lord did when they, when they left construction of the temple and were building their own houses. You know, I can remember growing up that some of our people had buildings that were in such a condition that we would not dare have a home like that. You know, that's what had happened here. They had stopped construction of the temple and the Lord said that you all dwell in your own sealed houses and this house lie waste. Now, we don't believe that, the, that a physical building is indicative of the presence of the Lord, but there is, a, there is a parallel application in that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We're to prioritize the things of the Lord. And he says here, verse six you have sown much and bring in little you eat but you have not enough you drink but you're not filled with drink you clothe you but there is none warm and he that earneth wages earneth wages to put into a bag with holes here's someone that is not as the psalm says eating the labor of their hands they're losing it And it says in verse 7, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse 9, you look for much, and lo, it came to little, and when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. 
So we see here that if a man fears the Lord, one of the ways in which uh, he's going to be blessed is with regard to how the Lord provides for him. He says, uh, thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That doesn't mean you're always going to sit back and say, I'm trying to serve the Lord, so I'm just totally confident God's going to provide. There's many times that I have not been confident. To my shame. But you know, to walk by faith is different from walking by sight. Walking by sight uh, is when you see what you're going to get out of this decision and this move, and therefore you make the move based on what you see and know you're going to obtain. To walk by faith is to say, I know this is what God says, but in some cases you say, I don't see how in the world this is going to work. (laughs) To walk by faith, that just means I trust God. You know, if God says jump off the cliff, I'm jumping. Now, I don't want anybody going out and committing suicide, but uh, uh, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Amen. God's not going to tell you to do something contrary to His Word. He wouldn't tell you to go jump off a cliff because that would be uh, not only tempting the Lord, but that would be uh, harming and destroying the body that God gave you. But I hope you get the point that whether we understand it or not, we should do what God says. See, a double-minded man is not a man that can't decide where he wants this kind of car or this kind of car. A double-minded man is one that just uh, fluctuates back and forth. You meet him one day and he says, I tell you, I've read the Bible. Here's what the Bible says and that's what I'm going to do. And you see him the next day after he slept on it and thought about it and he says, oh, I don't see how that'll work. I can't do that. That's a double-minded man. Your allegiance shifts back and forth. But this man that fears the Lord, that walketh in his way, shall eat the labor of his hands. Happy shall he be, and it shall be well with him. Jesus said, Seek first my kingdom, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's the the simple bottom line. You either believe that or you do not. That's it. You either believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I prioritize the Lord with regard to my job and the job I accept and where it is and what the church is like uh, at that location and how far the church is from that location and is it, a, is it a healthy church that will be a good place for me to bring my children or is it a place where there's strife and discord and will drive my children away? You see, that should be the foremost thing in your mind. Now look at verse 3. Thy wife 
shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Now, first of all, it says that your wife is fruitful. In other words, she's productive. Notice she's like a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Her productivity centers around the home. In Proverbs 31, near the very end of that chapter, it says, she, talking about the virtuous woman, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Now the world will say, wait a minute, you don't have a career separate and apart from being a mother? What do you do? This says she looketh well to the ways of her household, and in doing so, she's not eating the bread of idleness. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14 tells you young unmarried women. Paul says, I will therefore that the younger woman marry, bear children, guide the house, giving none occasion. That means don't give an opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully. God tells you what to do and the order in which to do it. Marry, then bear children. You know, my job is much involved with that order being reversed. Maybe it's not reversed. Maybe they just bear children. But marry, bear children, guide the house. There is no one more qualified to raise your children than you are. I know a young lady right now that I think about. She had her first child about three years ago, and now she has another child. So one is two or three, and the other one's probably not quite a year old yet. And I've heard some comments like this. The first one was put into uh, full-time daycare, not very long after it was born, just a few months old. And I heard her make the comment to someone, well, you know, when I, when I come to pick him up, he doesn't want to see me. He doesn't want me to hold me. You know why? Because he can't rely on her. He can't depend on her. That's what he's thinking. And then she told me about the second one. She, she says, you know, he, he, uh, he wants to be with other people all the time. He, doesn't, he, he behaves with other people, but he doesn't behave with me. Usually he's trying to get the attention of the mother. You know why? That's the way God intended it to be. Those babies are your offspring. You are best qualified to take care of them at the home and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And notice it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and and verse 22, I believe it is, it says, He that uh, findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. 
Now, remember he said at the beginning of the verse, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Her main, and I'm emphasizing that word, her main area of concentration, not necessarily her only, but her main area of concentration, especially when those children are young and their mindsets being developed, her main area is to look well to the ways of her household. And this says in Proverbs 8.22 that when a man finds that kind of wife, he says that she is from the Lord. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Notice it doesn't say he that findeth a woman. Right. Chris talked about that this morning. You can That's find right. a woman. That's right. You can find all kind of women. Yeah. But it's a different thing to find a wife. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 14, it says a prudent wife is from the Lord. Oh, that's so important. Your wife can be a blessing or a curse. Let's put it on you, wives. You can be a blessing or a curse. Oh, what a difference it makes when a man has a woman that feareth the Lord. You know, it says there about the virtuous woman, that her uh, that her uh, that she shall be praised in the gates. Let me turn to that to get it just right. In Proverbs chapter uh, thirty-one, uh, verse twenty-eight. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. See, like Brother Chris has been preaching, we're not talking about a husband giving out orders at all. No, this says uh, her children call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. He's pleased with her that she's uh, that this is her main field of labor. She's like a fruitful vine by the sides of its house. And you know, all know the verse. Uh, there's, it's mentioned at least twice in the Bible. One of them is Pro- Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9. It says it's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman and in a wide house. Now again, I'm not picking on you women. In principle, many of these things would apply to men. But as it relates to her position, if she's focusing her efforts around the household and she's a brawling woman, he says it's better to dwell on the corner of the housetop. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. What's a prudent wife? It's one that is uh, knowledgeable and wise and is conscientious with regard to the home. Thy wife shall be like a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. He says, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. You know what? They're eating a meal together. Isn't that a novel concept? Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Now why does he refer to them as being like olive plants? Well, I'm sure there's many uh, 
reasons that that comparison is used that I'm not aware of, but one of them is this. An olive plant may take several years before it becomes productive. But once it becomes productive, it can be depended upon to bring forth fruit, not just for a season or two, but for many years. I thought of the verse, bring your children up in the nurture, uh, train up, excuse me, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word old there means grown. That doesn't mean like I've heard people say, well, I know every child's got to go out and sow his wild oats as if that's God's predetermined will. No, it doesn't mean that if you bring a child up in the church, if you bring them up in the nurture and admonition, Lord, they're then going to leave the church and wallow out there in the world and their lives are going to fall apart and their marriage is going to fall apart. But when they get old, they're going to come back to the church. That is not what it's teaching. It's teaching that they're like those olive plants. You know, it says in Proverbs 22, 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. I like to make this comparison. Most any computer you buy today already has windows loaded on it. Your child already has sin loaded. It comes with it. Foolishness is bound. That means it's strapped in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction, not the rod of abuse, the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. When children are just small toddlers, it's not a matter at that time of appealing to their heart and their conscience. It's a matter of teaching them that when you do this, it hurts. When I do this, it hurts. When I scream out, something happens that I don't like. It's a matter of training them. Now, it's going to require wisdom on your part to know when you begin to make that transition that you treat them with more respect and as a person that can make individual decisions. Like my my children did me one time. I was trying to resolve a conflict, and they said, Daddy, why don't you let us try to work it out? And if we can't work it out, we'll come to you. And I said, you're right. You've reached that point. I don't need to micromanage all your disagreements. But if you can't work it out, then come to me. You know, if you always treat your child when they're on up as a teenager as someone that doesn't know how to do anything, you're going to make that child bitter against you. He says, your children. Now these are the children of the man that feareth the Lord and walketh in His ways. Those children will be like olive plants round about the table. Now, I just have a mind to turn over for just a little bit to Psalm 144. As we think about children like olive plants. Psalm 144 verse 11. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children. Now that in this context is speaking of any philosophy or teachings contrary to God's Word. 
Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. Now let's think about that. Our children are like olive plants round about our table, and we're to train them and take care of them and influence them and give them what they need so that they will become productive and stay productive. And here he describes the outcome. That our son may be as plants grown up in their youth. You know what that means? Mature beyond their years. We've sold ourselves short to say, oh, he's a teenager. You can just expect that. You're selling yourself short. You're selling your child short. A child doesn't have to be very old at all that he can be responsible. He can be trained to do some things. You know, I often think about in the uh, early part of the uh, 20th century, it was common for men and women to marry at a very young age. You know, 15, 16, 17, 18, that was common back then, and they didn't get divorced. You know why? Because most of those young men knew my job is to work. My job is to provide. This is not something that's optional. This is my responsibility. And in the same way with young women, he says that our daughters might be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. You know, when you polish something, you don't add to it, you take away. Now, men and women as sinners both need things taken away. But when you take away the dross, when you take away those things Brother Chris was talking about this morning of the vain woman, the woman of this world, when those things are taken away, she's like a cornerstone. What does a cornerstone do? It's one of the primary supports of the building. That's what a woman is to the home. She's one of the primary supports to the building. And then he says, verse 4 of Psalm 128, Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Now notice this. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. You see, there's, there's a need for the home and the church. It doesn't say the Lord is going to bless you out of Zion if you drop your children off there each Sunday. It doesn't say that. The church will not accomplish the goal that, that God would have it to accomplish if, if the homes are not made up of fathers and mothers and children that we've just described. But when this is the case, when the homes are strong, godly, moral homes, then you come together in the Lord's church and worship. And, you know, some places are set up today so that when you come to worship, they divide up what God intends to stay together. That's right. 
But you come to church and you sit together and you're one unit in the church and He says, the Lord will bless you out of Zion and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. I don't know what the future holds in my life, but so far, my children have married the kind of people I wanted them to marry. And I know it's going to continue. And now that we have our first grandchild, I can with confidence see, based on the home that I believe she'll be brought up in, that I will see my children's children. And what he's talking about here is not that you just you'll live long enough to see your grandchildren. He's talking about you'll see them in the church. You'll see your children's children in the church and peace upon Israel. We have that here now and Satan don't like it. He don't like you young people standing up here and singing after church. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like us seeing our children and hopefully one day our children's children and peace upon Israel. But we need to just keep on fearing the Lord and walking in His ways. You know, during the business meeting this afternoon, I expressed myself a couple of times, but you know the thought I had after doing so? I thought it's time now for me to be quiet. And I mean that in a positive way. I'm not trying to brag on myself, but just my own experience has been to fear the Lord is to say, I'm not running the show. I'm not trying to push my view through. You know, regardless of the decisions that we make about the new building, the main thing is that we have the right attitude. You know, you have an opinion, you have thoughts about something, and you express those thoughts. Now, I'm going to brag on Brother Bob a little bit. I believe it's okay to brag on him. He's done all this work. Amen, brother. That's right. Did you know that there's, there's some decisions that we make that he knows is not the best decision? Did you know that? <laughs> because he knows some things we don't know. And I've, I've, I've already observed, not because he said anything to me, but I've already observed that, yes, if we'd have done it the way he said, it would have been better. No, no major things or anything like that. But you see, humility says I'm not here promoting my way and I know more, so whatever I think is the way it should be. No, he said this morning, whatever the church decides. Amen. And that's the way all of us should be. Amen. Doesn't matter how much you think you know. Let's fear the Lord and walk in His way. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.